Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Boys, uh, another special episode. We've got some announcements, we've got some informal conversation to have. Um, if you're looking for our first, the first of our, um, what do you call them, one-shots, uh, you can move on to whatever episode is behind this, but if you're listening to it when it comes out, there is nothing behind this, you'll have to wait a little bit. Uh, but our next session will be our... Um, Baked fresh, just for you. Yes, our next session we will begin baking our bonus episode bonus one shots that'll come in between our seasons uh we had some things that i will explain shortly after our introductions uh that have caused us to do another little informal conversation episode but my name is keith and i am typically your dm and i am bryce and i am typically jack law and i am jack law typically bryce that's not true josh it's really not i am josh typically arlo in game but soon to be the DM. The, yes. Temporary DM. They're giving me control, mm-hmm. and it is going to be in- exciting. It's going to be crazy. We're going Hopefully to see what's so. going to happen. Hopefully uh, so. Going to have a quick one shot, and we'll move on from there. Mm-hmm. But Passing of course, the torch. we've said it several times. If you move on to that one shot, and like we get, you know, thousands of people are are clamoring in the streets for Josh as the DM. What can I say? It burned down. (laughs) That's right. That's right. If you show up on the doorstep at 2 in the morning demanding more, number one, you have problems. Next, but you will get more. But you will get more. (laughs) We will give you more. That's right. Uh, But quick, some announcements, some housekeeping. You will notice that Zenus, uh, who is typically Grim, uh, Thaddeus Baker on the show, uh, is not with us yet again. Uh, We have had some... I don't want to call them issues, but Zenus moved away from normal recordings, uh, our no- normal zone, our home area. He moved about 100 miles away, which isn't too terribly far, but he also got a new job. He's got a lady friend and everything else, and so the uh, the you show... You just described life. Yeah. Life. <laughs> the, the, the life, has, life has gotten in the way, in a very good way for Zenus. It's not a negative thing, uh, but we have he, he has come to the decision that it may be best for the show... Uh, if he were to step down for a little while until his schedule maybe calms down and we can figure out how to get him back in. Uh, but there's no hard feelings or anything for any of the Dungeon Boys towards Zenus. I believe all of us are very happy that he is doing what he is doing and enjoying his life uh, far away from us. Amen, brother. Until then, those of us without a life will carry on. Yeah, <laughs> until then. Um, we must bear this burden. So, yes, for for the for the foreseeable future... Uh, Zenus will not be with us anymore. So it would be just the brothers, just the beard, the three bearded brothers uh, coming at you with Dungeon Boys on a weekly basis still. We'll still be doing it on a weekly basis. Uh, but that's our big announcement for the beginning of this show is that Zenus is uh, stepping down from us for now. Uh, but we're going to keep bringing you D&D. But in the meantime, until our one shot begins next time, with Josh being the DM, doing his super special secret sauce. We should, we should point out, too, to our listeners that this, this is not happening at the same time that it's happening for us, but we are currently experiencing what you might call a Hurricane Dorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of uncertainty with that one, so it's it's thrown a bit into the schedule. Yes, it also has it, it made it made our, our schedule a little bit issue-laden. But... Instead of doing our one-shot this week, kind of trying to get everybody situated, we're going to have another kind of candid episode where we talk about D&D and D&D-related things and uh, D&D as it relates to us, Dungeons & Dragons through the lens of the three bearded brothers uh, that you may have come to know and love uh, on this internet. 
uh, we will we I think everybody agrees we're not coming at you as experts <laughs> we are not coming at you as authorities we're gonna talk about how we perceive Dungeons and Dragons uh, and the different things we do to make playing the game fun uh, for us because we were talking before Josh mentioned something very uh, appropriate earlier is that like Dungeons and Dragons is kind of like a it's not a loose set of rules but it's as many rules as you want like yeah. it's it's dice and you can have you can do it full on like fantasy simulator where you got to eat and you got to do components and like you can't cast mage hand unless you find a goblin's booger and like six sticks or whatever uh, or you can play it like we play it where we I think most of the time we kind of go with the rule of cool is yeah. that like, if it's cool if it sounds fun if it's you know exciting we'll go with that uh, so we're going to kind of give you Dungeons and Dragons from our point of view. If that makes, am I accurate in saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's different ways to play. I mean, like, it's the, you. You could go all hardcore with it. And you can decide. You know what? I I want like them to do everything. Like, okay, it, when is the last time your character used the bathroom? Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, you could have dice checks for everything. Roll to or not poop your pants. It could be like you know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's a nat twenty. <laughs> you could um, you, you could just as easily have it where it's almost like one of those theme park rides, like going through like the Scooby Doo ride or whatever. Like you sit in the car, and then the DM drives you along, right, and yeah. then you just shoot at the ghosts that pop up, and it's like, yay, we did it! Yeah. So, yeah, it could go either way. And I think we fall somewhere in the middle. I yeah. would say somewhere in the middle, maybe close. It's I a healthy middle. I think it is a healthy middle. I wouldn't. I don't want to say closer to the Scooby Doo ride because I don't think we're very close to that at all. But we might be on the side of halfway to that. I don't know. Yeah, but for like like Bryce, you did like a little a little mini mini game for the younger siblings. That was uh, that was a cluster right there. <laughs> it was, but I mean, with the same rules, like you know, they didn't have to use like tons of dice checks and stuff like that. Yeah. So I took care of most of the dice checks for them. Mm. Right. I but it worked. Rolled for them as a group. It worked, and we're still playing D and D. That's true. Everybody survived. Everybody yeah. survived. We're still alive. Try. But this is kind of the little family show now. Mm. I normally tag the show with family D and D, but now it's just legit, just family. Try. Zenus is. I consider Zenus family, but just not like. Well, we don't share blood either, so it's a complicated. <laughs> it's a complicated situation. Uh, like a family cloud. <laughs> We're not really connected, but we're we're loosely held together. <laughs> That's right. People just kind of filter in and out. Yeah. Uh, but we have a couple questions written down that we're going to deal with. Josh has the has a list of, of topics for discussion that I think we're going to work through. And if something else comes up, I think we're just going to discuss it. It's going to be rather loose, going to be rather informal, but we're going to discuss some things. Josh, what do we got on that list? Uh, let's try this one. Uh, how about ver- running homebrew versus like the published campaign settings? Yes, I think that's a good idea. So Not even just publish campaign settings, just working homebrew into any campaign. Yeah, that's true. As well. Yeah, you're right. We do that a lot. We, the way we started, Bryce and I discussed it last week. Is we started by doing the Minds of Fandelver or whatever. Yeah, we oh, started. That's where so many people start. We started with the you know the beginning because when you go on Amazon and you search D and D, the beginner set is you know. The Minds of Fandelver, five character sheets, and a you know a bag of dice, right. or whatever. So we started there. We did like one week of that, and I decided, you know, it'll probably be easier 
for me to just make my own thing that's a little more linear. There's not as many branching paths because I don't have the time to sit and memorize mm -hmm. what's going to go on. It is the gateway the, to D&D. It is the gateway. Sorry, my laptop notified me that it was dying, and if it died, we'd no longer record. So I had to plug it in. The charger just came loose. But we do mostly homebrew. Have any of you, have any of us played? I know we haven't played one together besides that beginning piece, but have any of y'all, either of you played a, a published D&D? Negative. Okay, so yeah, that's kind of interesting that we've, we've played, been playing for, what, two years at mm. this point? But we've never played a uh, an actual published Dungeons & Dragons campaign because we just make it up as, we make up these worlds as we go. We have, we have played hundreds of hours of this game. Very fun. But you know what? It says something to that, that, you know, there, there is a, a loose set of rules that you go by. Yep. And you can create your own thing. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. It is cool. It's definitely cool that, like, within a week, the first time, it, the thought was, all right, they've given me the keys. They've given me this, this big RV that I can drive, drive across country in. And they've given me a map. Yep. But then, <laughs> instead of looking at the map, I see an open space between two roads that diverge, <laughs> and the the ground looks kind of flat there. Oh, <laughs> he wants to go off road. <laughs> and yeah, Jim Carrey style, just turn the RV into the dirt, and just cruise across the desert. Um, There's some bumps along the way. Yeah. But it might not come out pretty. Right. But it's going to be fun. To, to a general degree of success. Like, it's not... The whole thing, like, you you build your own... You can bu build your own, like, play mat, you know, and then you can... Because what I do is, essentially, I build the world, and I say, like, well, most of the D&D &D monsters and most of the, you know, Dungeons & Dragons rules apply here. I've just made the, the physical landscape... And then I'm going to populate it with a few of my own personal, like, way ma ways magic works and, you know, different things like that. But Some all the puzzle spice, pieces of, like, flavor. exactly. But all the puzzle pieces, all the, like, characters and monsters and stuff come from the book, which I think is, for me, the easiest way to do it. And what is really helpful for me, I have to have something that's easy because I don't, mm -hmm. I mean, all of us work a lot. <laughs> so it's yeah. hard to sit down and, like build with every all the other hobbies and things we get into it's hard to sit down and build like i want to build my own monsters and i'm going to build my own everything else so yeah just figurines and yeah. stuff like that we're not we're not also we don't do figurines no. not yet at least i don't know if we'll ever Theater do that theater of the mind i don't Those i don't think are expensive they are expensive oh, i see on reddit people painting figurines and I was like, if you told me you can paint this figurine or never play D and D again, sorry D and D, I'm not painting a figurine. I don't mm -hmm. like it. I don't. Yeah. I don't like painting at all. You gotta Much have a place to store it. those suckers too. <laughs> exactly. So. I'm not gonna paint a tiny little um, like goblin. Are you crazy? I'll dip it in green paint. <laughs> Army man green. <laughs> exactly. That's what it'll be. You know what? Flip side of that, like Bryce, you have you have gotten me somewhat flipped on Magic the Gathering. Yeah. And there are, I don't know how many. 214,000 different and see, cards in circulation. That's why Holy you're the beans. Grandmaster. But I'm, I'm like, okay, each one of those that, cards but... has like a unique character or item or artwork or something like that. So, I mean, instead of figurines, I mean, that could be a thing. Like, you know what? 
this thing is coming at you. What do you yeah, do? Yeah, a card would be... Well, yeah, if I, I'm sure they make those, like monster yeah. cards. They do. That they would do. be super cool. They're, they're kind of limited. I mean, there's thousands of them. From there's probably I mean, not 200 And they're flat. Yes. You'd really want to have monster pictures. You can't show, like, their stats and everything right, like that. Right, that's true. Right, right. But Just a projector screen. Tons with a, of artwork. With a pointer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, next slide! On the idea of, like, is that... <clears throat> do you, Josh and I were discussing before you got here, Bryce. We th- we like the idea of one day playing a published campaign. I feel like we can't be serious D and Ders without doing that. Yeah, that sounds um, cool. Uh, I agree. I think it th- sounds cool. I'm not sure which one we'll play, but we don't have a ton of experience to tell you like which one's better. We can just tell you like why. I just I could go back to it's easier for me. The homebrew stuff is easier for me to prepare. It's yeah. easier for me to handle, and it gives me more freedom and. You can't really write a plot mm-hmm. of uh, in a published campaign. You can just ex- you help. can write a subplot. You could, but you can't. You can just help your players experience this thing that's already been created. But if you have your own story to tell, it's a little bit harder to do with a published campaign. And yeah. um, I think the homebrew stuff for us, it's we when you're trying to make a show. Uh, I think it's a lot harder to make a show whenever. Um, or at least a show that you want to be narratively interesting is hard whenever you have a campaign that's just like a thousand different branches. Like, you know, if the players, if you all decide, hey, we're really interested in um, Freegis, our magic item dealer, and like we want to really dive into Freegis and his, and like we want to follow him around and stuff, and, you know, you get hired by him to go or whatever and go with his traveling band, like I don't want you to do that. That's not yeah. part of the story that we're trying to tell. Yeah. And it's not like I'm going to say, eh, no, you can't do that, but I'm not going to give you the the thoughts and ideas that tries to push you that way, I guess. And I think you just would likely be getting on the same boat we were getting on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you, have, you find ways around that, but I think the homebrew style of creating, like, I'll create a way for you to go. You don't have to go that way. I don't, I don't think I come across as making you go a certain way. And there are different things that maybe interest you on either side of the path, but with a story that has an... A, um, a, a, an ending, a place that we want to get. Not that we know exactly how it'll end, but hopefully it you know pulls you along in this path that's kind of expected but not completely linear. I think that make it's easier, in my opinion, to do that. But also, I can't say that without a shadow of a doubt because I've never done one, uh, you know, published one. Super. In our other campaign, it's you know it's fantasy based, but it has elements of like science fiction and things like that. I'm a bard um, that drives a ten foot tall mech suit. That's right. <laughs> so it does kind of have some technological stuff in it. That's right. That's right. And it was awesome. You it was it. amazing. No, I I will admit it freely and openly. There you go. Now, but how, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. How about homebrew characters? Yeah. Homebrew characters is a whole another <laughs> is a whole another ball game. Well, truthfully, like. Every character that you would play is homebrew. Yeah. Because you, you, you have to have your own spin on it. Right. Yes, in a way. Uh, to mince words, I think more specifically we're talking about mechanically homebrew. Changing rules as written. Okay. Changes okay. some rules. I'm happy. If you want to say that, you know, the orc I play is from another plane of existence and he only talks about Bob Dylan, <laughs> you know, like, Trey. that's fine. I don't care. But if you told me that the orc I play is from another plane of existence and he only talks about Bob Dylan because he is Bob Dylan, so he's also a, a level 20 bard as well as a level 1, you know, uh, barbarian. Yeah, like, so that becomes difficult. 
that becomes difficult mechanically because one thing you run into is that you'll probably in every group you'll have that person you have the person that's like i'm not i'm not okay with doing just a boring vanilla character yeah i got it i want to i want to i want to mix and match but then you have the other person in the group that me which is like give me all 20 levels of one thing you know i just right want to i, I just want to go right through one thing i don't a, I, a being a dm i don't want to complicate it for the dm and I don't want to complicate it for myself. Like I don't want to remember rules I made up. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, so that's I, those are the kind of two ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, and I'm, I don't like to squash anybody's fun, but in my opinion, it's way easier. I would prefer most of the time. If you're going to be one class, be one class. But if you want a multi-class, do it the way they said. I guess you know it makes it a little bit easier. That's what I'm doing with Jack at this time. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing with Arlo. Like I'm committed. Like I'm I'm going the full twenty if we're gonna yeah, make it. We we do have all three portions of the spectrum on, on Dungeon Boy so far. Grim Venus is, I wanna I'm, I want to do something more interesting than normal, mm-hmm. which you know complicates things, makes it hard to you know dial his power back a little bit. And then Bryce is kind of do cosmic power. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> it, it's something he he does always drive it that way. He's his goal is the cosmic power. But it works. Uh-huh. It works. And it's fun. And then Bryce is the middle of the road. He's multi-classing, but doing it, you know. Rules is written. Rule, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a level of this. And he also ad- adheres to my rules that if you're going to multi-class, there must be a narrative reason in the story that at least makes it somewhat plausible. Um, which, you know, we've at the front end made Grimm the way he is um, to make it narratively plausible. And then there's Josh, who's going the straight line through Druid, which... I don't that, even wear my metal badge. Yeah, that holds a, that holds a special place in my heart. Straight lining it through some levels, you know. When I go to sleep at night, I think there's one thing not stressing me out, and that's Arlo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Just wait till he goes off the deep end on something. So, what do y'all think about that? I mean, you, what's your opinions? Obviously, you're doing a certain thing, and Josh, you said that you're you're a one one class all the way through. But I guess Bryce, what are your thoughts? I just. I do like that it adds to the narrative as well. Yeah. Because I can, uh, with Jack, I can open up from doing strictly rogue-based stuff to going rogue and magic, and then he's got that second personality, which is like your level twenty Bob Dylan. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, that does kind of make things difficult, but at the same time, just. It would only be in a very narrative situation rather than a actual true combat situation that he would arise. Sure. So, I think, I think uh, as, as long as you don't get in the way of the other players playing the game or try yeah. and like take the glory for yourself by using your level twenty Bob Dylan. Yeah. I don't. Th- I don't think it's <laughs> so much of an issue. I'm gonna be playing Bob Dylan as a bard <laughs> next time. That's right, um, Bard Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> um, I agree. I think that's an important point as well as that <clears throat> when it comes to homebrew stuff, when it comes to making your own thing, like I want to be interesting or whatever, <clears throat> it can come at the cost of getting in the way of other people's fun. It can come at the cost of like if you don't, if you don't seek to tone it down or tone up the other people or whatever in some way it can say oh well why, why do I even do anything if Bryce stabs somebody and it does a hundred damage and I punch somebody or kick somebody or you know 
if I stab them and it only does 10? You know, what's yeah. the point of me doing anything? Um, so that's something that we have to think about when it comes to building characters and home brewing and different that, stuff like that. Because there's nothing, there's nothing that frustrates me quite like a an encounter that just is completely one-sided, but it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. Like giving you something powerful, then it's like I didn't realize you could do that, or I didn't realize that I agreed. You know, like, I I remember agreeing to something like that, but I didn't realize in application this is what it would look like. And you're not you're not betraying me. It's just like I didn't realize that that I could do that. And then though I do have some loose suspicions, you had this in mind from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, and then you know you're like there's a dragon dead in front of you, and everybody's like you know roasting mar- marshmallows over its corpse because it took like one stab. Yeah, um, it was a really good stab. Yeah, dust and that, of dryness. So it's just something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just something to think about when making homebrew stuff is, because the goal at the end of the day, if you're playing D and D by yourself without the podcast element, is to have fun. Yeah. But it's to have, for everybody to have fun, and so you know if if you only have fun when you're the the biggest baddest person in the room, or if you only have fun if you're the funniest person in the room, if you only have fun if you're the smartest person in the room, like that's going to end up causing some people to have less fun if it if it begins to bother people. But with us as well, you know, like if we don't, if our show is not super popular, we might be the 100,000th most popular D&D <laughs> show on the internet. Um, but if you're trying to, we're trying to make a show, so if every combat encounter has no stakes, you know, if if Jack or Arlo or Grimm, any one of them isn't able to perform at all and the other two, like, you know, stomp on the other one somehow, that's just not fun. That's And so we have to think about that when it comes to home home brewing i think we pretty well balanced those three though oh yeah. yeah we're yeah we're it takes some it takes some work it takes some work and certainly well i mean there's 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 <laughs> a certain sweet spot in any character's level where it's like they're more squishy than they want to be yeah and it could be you know level three for for a druid it's like certainly it's level one mm-hmm. um but I mean, this, there's that certain sweet spot where, like, you 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 are not at the the top of your game, but with everybody else is playing stuff like that. I mean, some somebody else is going to be there. Somebody's going to be able to step up. I yeah. mean, it's it especially in Dungeon Boys with the the campaign going through Medine and everything. I mean, there's been opportunity for all of us to really step up. That is true. So, there's been places for everybody to shine. Mm-hmm. Whether Zena's punching somebody's <laughs> head off or Jack sneaking in somewhere or Arlo. Beating him with the back of the cleaver. Yeah, Arlo throwing up a bear tornado or whatever that was <laughs> on a cruise ship. Hey, I um, made it happen. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it works. Um, but uh, also, let's not forget Burb, the one who carries us all. Burb, the one sure. who car- Burb may be carrying some more weight if if Grim doesn't come back. <laughs> He's the heart of the team. <laughs> uh, one quick more, one more quick thought about character building that I thought of when Bryce was talking earlier is that when it comes to multiclassing and when it comes to like the home brewing and all that different stuff, I like it better if the story, if what's happened to that character since playing them has informs their changes. That's what when I say having a narrative reason for a multiclass. Like Bryce, uh, Jack was, you know, doing his thing, Rogan, and then they came to Fark, and he already knew that he wanted to do this, so it's not exactly the the perfect example. But he went into a, they went into a tavern where mostly mages hang out, hung out. He bought a like a magic basic magic book from a wizard, 
and then he was able to learn in multi-class and to like take one level of wizard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I like that. Also got like his notes or whatever to kind of speed up the process, so it wouldn't take years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I like that, but what I like even more is if you start out like if I started out and and Josh has one shot. I'm playing a fighter, but if I start out as a fighter and something happens that maybe interests me or we would say interests interests the character, like oh, I, I, oh, I, stuff I, will I, happen. Like I took a like I took a huge hit or whatever, and I almost died. So I want to actually learn how to, you know, develop my ranged capabilities or whatever. And so then my character takes that experience and turns it into a, this is a reason for me to change. So in my opinion, I feel like that's the, that's the ideal way for a character to change in multi-class and stuff. But is that, what do you think about that? Is that incorrect? Is that, is that too ideal, either of you think? I don't think it's too ideal. I think you should have your multi-class kind of planned ahead and not just jump on it. Right. So that yeah. it, it doesn't feel forced in the narrative. Sure. Kind of have a track like if if I'm going to multi-class as something, it would be around X level or whatever. Yeah. Like you couldn't run and jump in front of that sword and then be like, oh. Of course. I really yeah. need to be more ranged, don't I? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the same thing kind of in reverse. Like, you know, we're going through... Uh, the campaign now going through Medine and Arlo as a character he's like because of his background and, and being brought up into this world by um, Briar and things like that he's very dedicated to you know what this is going to be my thing mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to deviate from this path like this this is the, the livelihood of the person who raised me and this is what I was taught so this is what I want to do I uh, like it yeah. So again, we're not experts, but if you're doing D and D, you can take any of these thoughts and thoughts and things into your into your game. I'm not an a- expert. I just play like I'm ignorant. Exactly. <laughs> With that, there's another question that we were talking about this morning. Like, if you have, um, you know, if you have a character who is like, you know, a minus five intellect sure. or whatever, how do you make, you know? smart decisions for your character even though your character is a post so when you say smart decisions decisions that are true to the character or smart decisions like actual intelligent decisions like hey let's probably not walk off that cliff okay yeah you know i guess it depends on maybe how you would interpret low intelligence yeah um like how if if you were if you were if you were a ghost possessing the body of a dodo how does this work yeah, <laughs> uh, I haven't played one of those yet. Um, Strumley is fairly intelligent. Oak what, was middle you, of the road. I'm sure you've had like NPCs that are like you know. Yeah, that's not true. the brightest bulb on the tree. Yeah, I think I guess intelligence for me I interpret it as a little bit different than like well-being of someone. Like I don't think just because you. Maybe if you have zero intelligence, I don't know if that's. I don't think that's possible. If you have a minus five in intelligence, unless you're some sort of D and D creature, but like even a two intelligence tells me don't walk off that cliff. I think, yeah. in my opinion, um, but it doesn't tell me how to solve a puzzle. Like if there, if we're standing at a wall and there's a riddle, like the character I'm playing for your one shot, he is not smart. He yeah. has a negative, you know, modifier for intelligence. Um, he's gonna not going to be hammer for this. He, yeah, he's not going to be solving puzzles that don't involve smashing things. Yeah. That's just it's just not going to be the case. So one thing with playing those for me is someone who really enjoys puzzles will be to like back off during that moment. Like I can't help you. Like I yeah. can 
Like, if imagine if it was something specific to him, like, oh, th- this is a puzzle I actually do understand, or mm. whatever, you know. Um, it would ha- it would take some specific instances to do that. I'm not saying like any puzzle you just have to be silent, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think it should apply to the way you RP, you know, to the way you talk or whatever, and then also how effective you make yourself in outside of roles, how you perform. Like a puzzle outside of a role, I guess you could probably do puzzles in two ways. You could roll like. Roll for a solution on this mm-hmm. puzzle. Like roll intelligence. If you roll high enough, I'll give you the solution. Or just you know sit here at this table and figure it out until you get it. No roll. Um, but I think in and certainly in that second one, you would have to say like, "Well, I'm I'm a dumb character. I don't I don't understand." And you if I guess a really good player would just really RP that up and just try to like you know go off of face value and give solutions that might seem smart to a dumb person but aren't actually smart. Um, I don't think it. I don't think you'd miss your mouth with a spoon very often with the intelligence score yeah. that's low. Just more. And then like we have a, to get into difference between intelligence and wisdom. I mean, wisdom true. is probably yeah. not walking off a cliff. If you have zero saw, intelligence and zero wisdom, you're pretty much a jellyfish at that point. You're not. You're not <laughs> yeah. actually a playable race. Anymore. It was. It, I remember it well. It was a way to the difference between several different, like all the um, strength, all the D and D things, and strength is like. Can you like how much you can squish a tomato? Oh, yeah. And dexterity oh, yeah. is like, can you hit a target with the tomato? And constitution is like, how many tomatoes can you eat without throwing up? <laughs> and then intelligence is uh, knowing that toma- a tomato is a fruit, and wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit salad. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> Charisma think, is the best one though. What was it? Say? Charisma is being able to sell somebody a tomato-based fruit salad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that that's I think the best way to describe the difference in intelligence and wisdom. And intelligence is like you know your maths, and wisdom is what you application. Common I guess. sense kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think like you know going back to the original question where like you know how do you do like how how do you make decisions as a character like playing the game mm-hmm. uh, if your character isn't particularly the brightest one in the room. Uh, I think uh, what was it uh, the Krong character from Critical Role? Mm-hmm. That was probably like the classic example. Like you know, I, I I have an intelligence of six. I think I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, confident in that. Right. Yeah. Very confident in that. But you know, you might not have the best role. <laughs> yeah, I guess intelligence and wisdom can really go together. So low intelligence, but like a reasonable. Arlo wisdom. as a character has low intelligence, yeah. but he's got a higher wisdom. Right. So, so yeah, so Arlo would be, I don't know the answer to this question, but I know that I don't know. Right. I, I understand that I'm lacking in this area with the high wisdom, but, you know, low wisdom, low intelligence would be that confidence. So, I'm, right. I, of course, I have the right answer, you know. <laughs> of course, we should walk down this dark hallway. Right. So, I'm, I'm Arlo as a character, yeah, I am not learned, but... I have uh, other means of, of getting from point A to point B. I, right. I can get the spoon to my mouth. Yes, exactly. Most times. Yeah. I think that's another thing that could probably ruin other people's fun. I was like, so we're standing at the, the door of a, of a tavern room where there's an enemy in there. We're trying to sneak in and subdue them. 
And so, you know, we're stand, rogue and barbarian are standing there, high intelligence rogue, low intelligence barbarian. The rogue is picking the lock, and the barbarian's like, oh, well, I'm... The, the player's like, well, I'm I'm a stupid barbarian, so I'm bang my head against the door like that. Would you, though? Yeah. Like, that's, 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 that's just you trying to overplay the dumbness, and I think that could probably ruin people's fun. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, if the rogue is, like, you know, miss a couple times, I, I could very well see that barbarian, like, hey, let me draw that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I think there's a fine line you walk. And, it, again, it's one of those things that happens – in whatever game you're in, if it's fun, everybody's having a good time, do what you want. If that yeah. gets a huge laugh and that's what you want is everybody wants to just laugh and have a good time or whatever, bang your head against the door. But That's what it really comes down to in a campaign is just, you know, just, just have fun. It's a bunch of people getting together and playing a game. Mm-hmm. So That's also true. Mm-hmm. Is that I think, now this I could be wrong. We may get, get some people salty about this. Uh-oh. But at least in the public eye. D&D attracts a certain type of person. I don't think any of us are that type of person. I don't think it's necessarily true that it attracts a certain type of person. But I imagine there are a lot of groups, because D&D is kind of an escape game. Mm. Like, I don't like my life, so not, I'm not saying I don't. I'm saying, imagine you did not like your life. and like, well, I can live another life as a elven archer named Legolas, <laughs> you know, shooting bad boys, when in actuality, like, I, I'm I'm not very socially capable or whatever. So you have these kind of different groups that are built up sometimes with people like that, and that can lead to uh, issues with fun having. And so I think it's important to remember, no matter how important it is to you, so that's one end of the spectrum, right, is that I'm too serious about it. This is my escape. I come to play this game to escape from my life. But also on the other end of the spectrum is somebody who doesn't take it seriously at all and just you know comes and goofs up somebody else's fun. I think it's important to realize that uh, you know it is it is a game. So never treat it like with anybody like that. Huh? I said we've never played with anybody like that. We carried his corpse around for a little oh, while. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Russell, we love you. <laughs> if you're listening to this, but anyway, Russ, you you're the honorary brother, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. It well, is a I mean, game. same 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 thing. Like you know, his character in my campaign was just very like, okay, the group's going this way. Oh, I'm gonna go do this thing. Yeah. So, but we still had fun with it. like you know the whole party in one situation was off doing this one thing. He was just chilling back by a train tracks. So what did we do? <laughs> we actually rolled him into the combat. We, we had, like, a fly come by, and, like, we had combat with a fly. Josh, you were very kind to the rest of the group by saying we. That was all you. And that was one of the most impressive DM m- maneuvers I've ever seen. <laughs> Cause, hey, we got it. Because it's we one of those it. things that it could it could have been a very frustrating situation. Because Russell's character was always, I want to do the opposite of what the group does. Right. And if Joshua didn't do a good job of, you know, keeping him involved, at least within the game of us hearing what he's doing... I would have been frustrated. I'm like, like, well, just shut up and come with us. We're playing a game. We can't play the game if you don't come with us or whatever. But Josh, oh yeah, on 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 his feet, thinks up. I'll have Legba do combat with the fly in the in the bed of this pickup truck. And it's I was, going in his nose. Yeah, it's extreme. Yep. Was ext- an extremely impressive DMing maneuver. If I had any cash on me, I would have tipped him. Hey, I mean, you got some cash now, right? I don't. I have, oh, none. I have like one dollar. Homeless guy on the street a couple weeks ago. Last week, actually. I was I left a restaurant with Lizzie. I had a big old to-go plate 
in my hands full of food. A homeless man comes to me and says, hey man, can you help me get a sandwich? Like, you're in luck. I've got this like two pound to go plate. Here you go, you can have this. Nah man, can you help me get some cheeseburgers? And like, bro, there's a lot of food in here. (laughs) Why don't you just take this? Nah, man, I'm trying to get some cheeseburgers. Yeah. I was like, God, just take these $3 then. This is like $20 worth of food. <laughs> you can yep. go have $3 worth of crack <laughs> instead of this food. I met, a, I met a guy in Columbia. Same thing. I was like at a McDonald's or something like that. And um, it was right after like that, that big uh, shooting that was in Charleston at the oh, church. Yeah. And there's like a lot of racial tension and stuff. Mm. And... I'm about white as they get, and this guy was about black as you get. I mean, there's a lot of racial tension going on at the time. Yeah. And he came up behind me, and he was he was talking real loud and, like, gesturing wildly and stuff. And he was like, hey, 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 man, hey, man, hey, man. And, I mean, <laughs> and he came up to me and said, I just want to let you know, with all the stuff going on in the world, you're my brother. We're all family <laughs> in this thing. We all got to be serious about life. I mean, I just wanted to say I love you as a human being, as, as a brother. I love you, man. That's nice. So, yeah, I mean, same same thing. Like, you know, you don't know what these, yeah, you what, don't know what somebody what coming up to you is going to be like, hey, you know, I need some That's cash. True. Yeah. And this guy came up and he was like, hey, man, I love you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I always enjoy when those kind of things happen. I'm not angry at this guy who, you know, I gave $3. All I had was $3 in my wallet. Like, it's just mm-hmm. he got the raw end of that deal. Like, the next person could have given him $3 and he could have had a big plate of, you know, tacos. Yeah. You know, hey. it just made me laugh leaving. Where I was like, I get to keep my tacos, and like you it could only you cost me three dollars. Like you could you could have just told me. At this point, we both know that you don't want food, right? There's no what you can't be homeless and say I don't like tacos, right? That just doesn't work. So <laughs> unless he said I'm allergic, we didn't say any of those things. He just looked me dead in my eyes and said, No, man, I want them cheeseburgers. Yeah, you know what this guy wanted from me? What? He wanted to sit down and share a meal with somebody. That's nice. Did you eat with him? I did. Well, that's wonderful. We sat there. We talked about it. Navy veteran for uh, 20 years. I mean, yeah. He's a good guy. Well, I feel like crap. <laughs> so. I hope that guy got a good meal that took $3. <laughs> hey, you never know, man. That's the thing. You never no, know. Yeah. I'm not try- Again, I, I feel like I brought it up for the wrong reason. But I well, just thought it was a funny situation. But now I feel like a bad person, and we're not even talking about it. <laughs> so. Well, all right. Now, get, getting back on track. NPCs. When you're dealing with a homeless NPC. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make a homeless NPC? No, go ahead, John. Well, please. I mean, that, that, is, that is one of the questions that we kind of got written down. Like, NPCs creation, like, what what is that process? But mm-hmm. also, further beyond that, like, how do you make an NPC likable? Like we were talking this morning and just joking around, like, you know, oh, Bob's out there in the field. Wait to Bob. How, right. is, how is Bob suddenly, like, likable to you? Is our recording messing up? I think it is. Let's take a quick break. Okie dokie, everybody. We're back. Sorry. We just had a thing where I had to check the computer and make sure everything was going right. Because one thing about Dungeon Boys is nothing ever is as good as you want it to be. I'm looking at me. Am I right? <laughs> or am I right? We were talking about NPCs and how uh, you might make one likable, I believe, was the question. Like, how do you make an NPC, whether they be villain or friend, someone that you care about what happens to them, maybe? Right. Well, other than that, like, how, 
how do you make this person mean something to you? Like, yeah. you know, I just, you know, Bob's over there in that field, like, okay, hi, Bob. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how do you, how do you really get into like, you know, Bob is awesome. Yeah. If you want him to be awesome. I feel for yeah. Bob. Bob doesn't have to be awesome just because he is an NPC. He right. Be but a like, background NPC. You, how, how do you get your characters to form like an actual like mental tie with this person? Like this person means something to me. Sure. What in your career so far NPCs have you been attached to? Whether they be in... Burb. So Burb, I feel like Burb would be on the list. But beyond Burb, um, not necessarily in just this campaign, but anyone we've done. Reginald. Reginald. I like Reginald a lot. Yes, I I was attached to Reginald there for for the time that we were with him. I like Reginald. Reginald Um, was an orc. Was he not or a guard? He was an orc. He was like he was supposed to be a a guard in like this uh, secret organization. He was uh, sent to infiltrate it, but they stuck him in like this underground place with like no way out. Yeah, he, and had he a ki- really just wanted to get out. He had a <laughs> kindness. Yeah, he had a kindness about him, but also kind of an absent-mindedness that yeah. made him, you know, humorous, but also uh, caring yeah. for our party. So I, I enjoyed him. My favorite NPC thus far was actually from your first campaign. Really? Marvin. Marvin, you're the shop owner? The, <laughs> oh, the yeah. king of the shop owner of all. Marvin. Marvin. Always know, dressed and all his many cousins. <laughs> yeah, all his different cousins that own shops around the world. Melvin, yeah. yeah <laughs> My cousin Marvin. Melvin, Marvin, Martin, Marlin, all the different. Marcus. All the different shop owners. Yeah, Still. so that was my first. <laughs> that might have been the first NPC I ever made. <laughs> like, legit one. I like that one. It was worth it. I mean, it. he doesn't have a whole lot to him except that he is one of many M names <laughs> that own shops around the world. <laughs> An unnamed world. I didn't even. I didn't even name that one. Well, at no first name. we just kept seeing Marvin everywhere. Yeah. Like everywhere we went, there was just another Marvin. <laughs> well, we were in like a little small town starting off, but as we branched out, yeah. Yeah. But what makes what makes Marvin likable? What makes Marvin likable, Bryce? You like him? He's just unique. He stands out from the background. Yeah. Um, has nothing to do with he was the only NPC at the time, but right. <laughs> sure. So what makes what makes it's about the same thing? What makes Reginald like a compelling NPC? And we keep saying likable, but a character, uh, an NPC doesn't have to be likable. Right. Like they have to just be memorable. Right. Like the if somebody if we had killed the constable in our campaign and nobody saw it except one guy, and he ran off into the woods and told the guards. And he, like, led the charge back. He'd be an interesting character. Yeah. Because this is just, like, a civilian dude leading a bunch of armed guards towards us. But we're not going to like him because he just ratted us out. Right. Same, I'm with you. Same thing. Hans Maytag. Yeah. Who's not even a real person. I don't he's even a, think he did anything. He's He was Zenus. Yeah. All right. He yeah. was Zenus. So I guess he, he was, was one a, of the dishwashers not, in the kitchen or whatever. Something no. like that. He was... Zenus became that dishwasher. Like, yeah. He, and then we Hans named him. Maytag did not exist anywhere else. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think I'm with Bryce is that, yeah, maybe not likable, but memorable is a thing. And I think part of it is if they do anything that affects you beyond attacking you or whatever. If they do anything that affects, mm-hmm. that makes it feel like they actually live in this world. You know, that if they do anything that 
convinces you that they exist and they have thoughts and they, you know, if you didn't exist, they would still have a life to live, that they would still be doing yeah. something. And I think that's what, you know, Reginald honestly didn't care a whole lot about us. Like, he was had his own stuff to deal with. Um, Marvin as well, you're one of, you know, many different adventuring parties that come into his shop. Burb, you know, would have remained a slave for his life or whatever if you hadn't come along or until his drunk master pawned him off on someone else. Um, Possibly that same night. Yeah, <laughs> but it, I think part of it, part of that formula is having a character that meaningfully exists within the world and they're not just something, someone for you to bounce off of as a player. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, so in that same token, villains. Have there been any villains that were um, good? I wouldn't want to say likable, but likable as in I enjoyed their existence. There may not have been. We may not have approached that. I mean, we've only encountered like a handful of villains in our entire time. Yeah. Like yeah. This. My first villain had a, had a, uh, a propensity for diving through windows and escaping yeah. in just the nick of time. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean that's that's the thing. It's not all about the villain. Olympic window diving. Yeah. It's like the, I guess like the journey itself, like sure. the the encounters that lead up to that point. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. We we haven't had too many encounters with villains. Like you don't you don't see them on the street corner waving at you. That's true. Yeah, we haven't had a whole lot of because in in Dungeons hey, and man, Dragons it's hard to get. How was church last week? It's not like a, uh, you know, like a spy movie where the villain could call you. Yeah, you yeah. have a conversation like you're in the you know our current Dungeon Boys <laughs> campaign. You're responding to the things the you know quote unquote villains, the antagonists or whatever we perceive them as. Now you're responding to what they're doing in the world. So you're responding to their villainy, but you don't really know them so much as villains. It's kind of in Dungeon Boys so far right now. It's kind of nebulous. Like who is the big bad evil guy? Yeah, you know. I did like the Ronald and Donald family dynamic as well. Yeah, yeah that was pretty sweet. Um, that I tried to make them at least a little. You have a little bit of dynamicness. Yeah, the bad guy in your campaign, Josh, is not necessarily the bad guy. He's just a higher up puppet, more or less. Yep. At least to our perception now, yeah. Yeah, I I kind of like that, but I mean that's like. Like, is the bad guy really the bad guy? That's all the that's all the major enemies we faced. Yeah, honestly. I mean, unless you want to go with like Black Fang. Black Fang was pretty cool. Yeah. Because yeah. he he was a reasonable barbaric type. Like mm-hmm. he was always ready to solve his problem, if not with words, then with his acts. Right. Like there was no middle ground for him. Yeah. The best bad guys, the best villain, is always the one who like you can kind of agree with. Yeah, you can at least understand their point of view. Yeah. I mean, think of something like, you know, Avengers or whatever. Like, the yeah. whole Thanos thing. Like, you know, he doesn't see himself as, as a bad guy. He's like, hey, I'm trying to help. Right. So, on a certain level, you can be like, you know what? I can see somebody trying to help, but, man, you're going too far. Yeah. I mean, you usually that comes with as well <laughs> as, like, yeah, first is you get this... Uh, idea of yeah, he's, Thanos is trying to help. He's not such a bad guy. He's just misunderstood. He's going about it in the wrong way. But then that final battle where he's like, "I'm going to enjoy, you know, ripping this universe atom from atom or whatever." Like, oh, well, you ain't gonna yeah. be. You kind of a bad guy. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it. You kind of a bad bad boy. A lot. So, 
Time to Mjolnir you right on out of here. Yeah. You big boy. <laughs> we were, I don't know who we were talking about it with. Maybe it was on this la- the last episode, but how, like, how American-centric is it that Captain America is is able to wield godlike powers he's able to wield the hammer he is worthy of a god's hammer to destroy the threat on the world like captain america saves the world all of avengers is propaganda you heard it here that's a hot take well, there was no captain china available at the that's time true. that's right i watched one comedian he was talking about he wished there was a captain china he said his special ability would be lending money to captain america <laughs> It's so true. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but villains are fun, and I agree. Villain, yeah, good villains are ones that you at least can understand and that have a quote-unquote good reason for doing what they're doing. So yeah. leaving off from there, like, you know, we've, we've got a, an adventurous campaign going on. We've got, like, a little bit of mystery going on, but, like, that's another question. How do you how do you get that, that feeling into a campaign? Like, you know, how do you, how do you make a scary campaign? Mm. Um, how do you do like how, how do you impart that onto the Subtlety campaign setting is key yeah like, sure you can sit here and describe the most grotesque and unbelievably terrifying monster you could ever imagine and it's still just going to be words you're saying to people's faces and they're going to be like uh-huh I, I got you cool that's that's great but you got to like set up you have to make the situation scary not you have to make them think it's scary, not just make something you think is scary and have it presented to them like show and tell. Um, suspense. Yeah. I think uh, when you say subtlety, it makes me think of suspense. Like sometimes less description is more. Yeah. You know, some you hear a dripping. It's or what whatever. you don't see. Yeah, you hear a rhythmic dripping down the dark hall, and you don't know what it is or whatever. When none of us have done a really like scary yeah. thing. Josh, that could be you, a challenge. You, yeah, you had us in a cave that was rather suspenseful. We didn't know what was coming. There were zombies. There were different frightening things. There was an an, a creature that was following us around and <clears throat> stuff. And you did a good job with that. But I wouldn't say I was like terrified at any point. I don't know if you're going to get us to terrified or I, if anybody. In theater of the mind, I don't know if you can get re- truly terrified of anything. You know? Yeah. I think, though, part of it is you have to have a... I, th- I don't think it can all be on the DM to produce a scary environment. I think you have to have players that are looking for it. You have to... Because one thing we do, and we probably do it too much, is we crack a joke every, every five seconds, you know? Like That's just us. Every, everything is... At the end of every description is, and then I do this, ha, 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 ha. No, I don't really do that. And then, you know, we keep playing. And we I, probably something we could cut down on if we were to focus on story or whatever... But we, I mean, all, all four of us are all about that. But that would be a good way to take away from suspense. You know, the, if everybody is, like, leaned into the table waiting for the next thing the DM says, like, you know, you could get some suspense, some, some, some terror from and that. All of but, a sudden, you beat on the table. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, ah! it's like, and you, you have to kind of tailor it to the group that you're in. Like, for us, I mean, it's the whole, like, hey, that was really cool, that was funny, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just like the that first part of the campaign that I was doing, you know, it was suspenseful, it was a little creepy, that kind of stuff. I kind of patterned it off of, like, some kind of a mashup between the, the ruins and Alien, hmm. somewhere in there. Yeah. But, uh, like, we had sound effects and stuff like that. That's um, true. The sound effects lend a lot towards they that. They do. They do. They really help when it comes to creepy stuff. 
Um, but yeah, things like that. And then like if if they if the group made any like loud noises or stuff like that, I actually brought out a Jenga tower mm. and set that on the table. If anybody made a loud noise, it was like roll a D four or whatever, and like however many of those that come up, like say you rolled a three, you would have to pull out three tiles. And like if yeah. the tower comes down, like it immediately knows where you are. It's coming. That's pretty cool. I'm a big fan of that. So, but then at the at the end of it, like you know, Keith, your character is like he's afraid of the dark. He doesn't That's like these true. situations. He's a bard. Yeah. So, just going back to like our group is. Oh like, yeah, because oh, yeah. I was freaking out. Yeah, but our mm-hmm. our group is very like you know we like humor and we like cool things. Stuff but like you're that. also the loudest one there. Yeah. <laughs> but you yeah you found a harmonica that was that was terrifying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, I was trying to play him in the whole thing of like he's he's doing his best to cover up his fear and like you know he's. He's not going to be quiet when he gets afraid. Like if something's coming for him, he's going to like yell out or whatever. Um, so yeah, but I did find a harmonica. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's right. That's right. Somebody had to keep you from playing the harmonica. I remember that. that. Yeah. Also, it, the what comes from him as a bard is his magic comes yeah. from his from music or whatever. So yeah, like I say wave. I say or whatever way too much. I need to stop. Uh, you say that or whatever. Yeah, but his magic comes from his music. So the, his comfort is that his pa- if he can make noise, he can at least have some sort of power in the situation. So at every uh, scary moment or every you know suspenseful situation, the harmonica would come up to his mouth like, <laughs> "I'll just blow." I, if I just make some noise, I can make some magic happen. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, come on, something, give me. <laughs> I think as well with scary stuff, the higher level you are. The harder it is to make something, oh yeah, you were like level two, suspenseful and scary. Like I may die immediately, yeah. <clears throat> because when you're level ten, mm-hmm. you got a high, you know, uh, high HP or whatever. <laughs> high HP, it's hard. High HP, you can take a lot of abuse, mm-hmm. and if it's dark and you have any sort of magic. You can pretty much turn the lights on. Yeah. You know, there's different stuff that you can do like that. Um, well, like, your character was, like, significantly underpowered through the whole thing, stuff mm-hmm. like that. But then towards the end, back to, like, you know, what works for the group. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is it going to be like, okay, and then everybody died? Mm-hmm. No, you, That's not you, funny found, you found the ogre. Yes. That was, I would call, I mean, maybe it's because I got to run around in a mech suit. Yeah. But I would tell, I would say that was pretty well-crafted. That as soon as things hit the fan, I was able to find this robot suit with a flamethrower on it and help everybody. Everybody was doing some different things, but to help it, help us, you know, fend off the zombies and kind of clear this dungeon right as things were hitting the fan. Very cool. It wasn't. It would absolutely be no fun if you got to the end of, of a suspenseful story and ended it like a horror movie where everybody dies. Some except, campaigns do end like yeah, that. Yeah, and. I'm I'm not I'm <laughs> Bryce is smiling. <laughs> I don't want to play your your one off, Bryce. If you if you're gonna try to kill us all, I told you the ending might be a little twisty. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. But I mean, same thing. Like it goes back to like what what is the group into? Like yeah. you were you were you know wading through a sea of zombies in a mech suit, and we had uh, what was it? Come a little bit closer. Or thunderstruck. I yeah, think thunderstruck. Was playing. Thunderstruck playing on speakers and yeah. stuff. So yeah. It, it, I mean, it just depends on what the group is after, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, build it's cool. build that up. So, I think the next, if I could choose a campaign to play that, I would love to do a uh, just hard, just a horror 
suspense like you have yeah. no power mm-hmm. All, you are just sort of get through the dungeon survive it it's not, like the Lovecraftian yeah. kind of stuff don't conquer it you don't win you don't get any treasure like you don't die yeah <laughs> yep Resident Evil style, I guess. But then there's no there's no skill in that. You have to mm-hmm. figure out some way to get around like dice rolls. Like, okay, yeah. sneak past this monster. One. Okay, you died. The game over. Right. Exactly. Or you know what? Just like the Jenga tower goes down, the monster knows where you are. Mm-hmm. What do you do? So with with that, like you know, how do you do that kind of stuff? Also, another question: How do you deal with? leveling like is it event based like you know what oh you slay the dragon you know take take two levels you know or is it xp based is it encounter based yeah that's another one that you there what like two options it's either milestone or xp or time based like okay we're we meet up every month every month like you just go up a level yeah so no matter what happens at the end of a month you go up a level i mean you can do it I, i imagine you can do it any way you want well of course you can you can do it because yeah. the only thing stopping you from leveling up is the DM saying yes or no. Um, yeah. We're mostly <coughs> milestone people. Zenus's campaign we played through with him uh, for a while. Kind of hybridized. It was. I think it started as XP, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think it just became overwhelming. He had a ton of people. We that, that's when we had the most people. We playing. had like seven people. Yeah, at we kind of sprung a lot of people nine. on him. We had nine at one um, time. Yeah, that's a lot. Was that's ridiculous. A lot. That's combat, a tough campaign. Com, I, I'll say it right now. Combat was not fun. Yeah. I did not enjoy yeah. combat <laughs> doing that. Not any fault of Zenus's with, you know, three people, four people, it would have been fun. It's just... Yeah, but when you when you roll that dice once per hour... Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that can take it out of you. Yeah. And, of course, everybody there, you're having a good time. Everybody's friends. Everybody's having a good time. It's just the actual you might as well just come get together and eat <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there's no reason to play the game which is what we did anyway yep. so. but um yeah that's we're, a good situation for magic the gathering it's right a card well, game yeah it's totally yeah. facilitated by the cards you don't have to put any thought into it other than reading the cards yeah but uh we are mostly milestone it's just e- it's just easier for us there yeah. we don't yeah i remember at the beginning of, of that campaign that Zenus was running like i i had a monk and at the lower levels, Monk didn't really progress too rapidly. Like mm-hmm. I, I couldn't get in there to do the damage to, to actually like rack up some XP. But yours was a ranger and like you, you were like really hammering it out. And that was the thing, like at lower levels you were leveling faster and I was leveling slower and I was right. like, wait a minute, how does that work out? Because like you're just gonna keep getting more powerful and I just kinda stay lower. And you I hear was that like, internet? Mm. I was playing a ranger and I was having fun. <laughs> he was getting witty, y'all. Do you hear it, internet? It's possible. Where are you, Keith? Well, I was having fun because <laughs> Zenus you know, gave us a bunch of powers and stuff. <laughs> and made the ranger not suck. Well, with that, like, I still you know, think he's cool. magical, <laughs> magical items. Magical yeah. items. Like, what do you do if a group or a party has too many magical items? Our magical, we'll have the magical item discussion. That'll probably be it for this episode. So just a final buzzer warning for our final, our final discussion topic. I think it's a great one to end on because it is a thing that we have waded through in several campaigns. Um, because magical items are fun. A, it's oh, yeah. cool to pick up a stick that blows up when you throw it at a goblin or whatever. It's cool to like you know 
grab a pocket watch that you twist it and it you know turns back time five seconds or something. Those are all very cool things. Yeah. But when you get the volume to quality ratio off, which we have done in the past, it becomes unfun or at least difficult. To difficult. unfun maybe is not the right word. It becomes difficult to unfun navigate. Unfun is never the right word. <laughs> huh? I, I said unfun is yeah, never the right never, word. It's, <laughs> it's not a fun. It's not a word. Well, I mean, same campaign. It was an awesome campaign. Yeah. But like, you know, based on like what magical items you have, your character doesn't really play like like my character didn't really play too much as a monk. Yeah would like playing traditional D and D, you know, same thing like a ranger, um, uh, a fighter, or whatever. Like it, it kind of like it was almost like a way to multi-class without multi-classing. Sure. So I don't know. It really changes like the whole game dynamic that way, especially when you have a lot of magical items. Yeah. In our first campaign, I gave y'all several cool things that I just made up. They were cool. I just made up. I made up everything for that game, <laughs> which was. Dumb, but also fun at the same time. My favorite magical item that I've made was one that I, maybe it's probably not my favorite because I can't think of them all. But one of my favorites is the hammer that I gave that you all found in a cave, and they and you gave it to Bryce's uh, cleric, yes. and that if he critted with the hammer, it would knock an opponent's AC in half. Yeah, yeah. like it, it it like crumpled their armor and it wouldn't work anymore. I did that Way, one time. Like if you. It's still OP. Like if you, I mean, crits are rare, but maybe not so rare that you should be having people's AC all the time. Yeah. Um, but it was awesome because it drove us to like, all right, yeah. Bryce, yeah. you got to get in there. You definitely did it one time. You got to yeah. get in there, and like most of the time, it, it fell flat. Yeah. Or some, I think so. Somebody you crumpled their armor. But anyway, I made up a lot of magical items. But Zenus, he kind of doubled down on magical items. His campaign was driven by the existence of magical items that we all, that like bound to our characters. Mm-hmm. So from the very beginning as a ranger, I didn't have an actual bow and arrow. I had this glove that when I held it out, it would become a bow and arrow, yeah. which is cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's way cool. The, the visual the idea of it is super cool. Um, it, but it did become a thing where those my items had a lot of magical powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there came a point where, you know, there's no... I'm just a dude with a cool bow and arrow. I'm not a ranger yeah. so much. I didn't have and any. And there's no reason to use any of your class stuff whenever you have an ability to that com- yeah. completely trumps that. Yeah, when the items when the items abilities are greater than your <laughs> class or race's abilities. Yeah. It was a lot of fun though. I mean, Zenus oh, gave me God, a, yeah. he gave me a ton of cool stuff to do. Like there was a moment where there was like a big spider yeah. spider golem and I was able to fire an arrow at the goblin, tell, tell, yeah, tell, teleport to it, kick it in the face, jump over it, and like fire another arrow at his back or something, and the rolls worked out that I was able to succeed. Like, is my thought, that why you had fun as a ranger? Yeah, my yeah, exactly. <laughs> my my first thing, I got ooh, 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 stretch. <laughs> uh, sorry, I've been up a if long time. If anybody at home would like instructions on how to stretch properly, yeah. <laughs> do not take them from Keith. That was disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I had a great time with the magical items, but then as I flew over the spider, I was thinking, I'm not a ranger. <laughs> uh, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm Spider-Man. I'm so with, Spider-Man. With, with that, like, in the campaign we're running now for Dungeon Boys in the world of Medine, mm-hmm. we've got 
you know, a significant number of magical items, but they don't change how your character works. And I'm, tr- and I'm making a very conscious effort not to give you things that would do that. Yeah, but like, you know, and it, it adds some flavor to it. Um, I've got Mouth of Minty. I don't think I've used them yet. But they're just there. Yeah. They're just there. The marbles was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, those um, worked on the Hulk creature you fought. Yeah. Honestly, not well. the way that you were able to succeed in the fight against the Blinkses recently so handily was thing, was yeah. the staff that created the you know floor of ice for you to fight on. It created yeah. an arena for you to fight on. Without that, those things weren't going to come out of the water. Like you'd have to get in the water to fight them, mm. um, or shoot them from the edge. You know, and I didn't I didn't give that I didn't put that staff in the store mm-hmm. two months before you used it with the idea that you'd use it for that. But I just thought it, I pull I pull a lot of magical items now from Reddit. That, Ooh, that reminds me, I have the I have the butterfly ring now, don't I? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I pull them from Reddit and I try to limit myself like good magical items for people of a certain level and really my the magical items that I plug in I would prefer them just to be cool RP moments I mean some of them are super useful mechanically but like it would be super cool if, if uh, Arlo just decided to breathe ice for some reason um, to you know intimidate someone or to you know prove that he's super magical or something like that Arlo already got that but I don't want to I don't that's but there's a like you can't be afraid of putting in small right. items like we only get items from shops mm-hmm. like we don't like whenever we something finish I need a to work well, we, we, found, or we what, found like the map and stuff yeah but that was like part of the main quest it's a quest right. item yeah but like questing and stuff, we don't find items. Like, uh, and it doesn't have to be big items. But I mean, if Arlo found a pair of sunglasses that increase your charisma by one, <laughs> that that would be great for Jack because his charisma, um, it's part of his. Uh, I think that's his rakish audacity ability. It's mm-hmm. uh, he gets his charisma modifier added to his initiative, so. If he's more charismatic and he's more yeah. outgoing, he goes first. Sure, I like that. Uh, it's something that I just need to work on. Yeah, I need to plug in some more items in the world for you guys to find. But Ooh, a three, I like uh, the level we're at. Yeah. A hand laser with a three hundred foot range that deals two d twelve damage plus a d six over time for the next three turns. Yeah, Bryce wanted to be like you wanted to be support rock man. Yeah. And you became Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing too. Like you know, as a DM, if you're throwing out you know super powerful magical items, what if that's the thing? Like you know, you're inexperienced with this. Like what if you use it one time and it's kind of ineffective? It only works halfway. Or what if you use it one time and it breaks? Mm-hmm. Or that's know, stuff true. Like that's that. that's a way to correct a mistake too. Yeah. <laughs> if is Zenus, I guess would have been painted into a corner because his campaign was was beholden to those items. Like if he decided he wanted, like, oh, this is this isn't working the way I wanted it to, he could just say, well, your glove breaks, you know, and you don't get to use it anymore. But like yeah. later in the campaign, like the items like became oh, less yeah. and less useful. He did, yeah, you know? yeah. He cranked those down a little bit for us too. Um, it's but something it we, it's, it's fire. It's something. It's, it's playing with fire. You know, fire is super useful and it can be very a whole lot of fun. But if you put too much of it in your campaign, it'll burn your house down. <laughs> I like totally situational magic items. 
like the depth rock thing you gave me. What at what point am I going to need to know how far underground I am? The mere I don't know. Positive it'll be, reinforcement. It'll be hilarious when I finally use <laughs> yeah. that rock that I've been carrying around for three it'll months. It'll be double hilarious because of every session you mentioned that yeah. it's useless. I, I picture this thing is like an actual like granite stone like the size of a loaf of bread. <laughs> like this is like a 40 pound rock Jack has been carrying with him this whole time. And he finally gets to use it one time. You're like how far underground are we? Wait. I got this. <laughs> Hold up. Just like shake it like a magic eight ball. Yeah. About a, about a buck fifty. <laughs> I just picture Burb asking like, how far underground are we? And you're like, thank God I can use it. And you tell him and he goes, uh-huh. that's not very far. And then just keeps walking like there's no reason for him to know that except he's curious. Then Jack just throws the rock on the ground and keeps going. I can't remember what exact, that one has some. If we need to dig a to grave it. for somebody. Yeah. How yeah. far? How far did we dig down? Just drop it in a hole, five feet. All right, <laughs> dig another foot. <laughs> but like the necklace, the necklace is cool. I like that necklace. The what is it? The necklace of stone skin or yeah, whatever. Yeah, amulet of. Yeah. Yeah. That one's cool, with the flip side. Yeah. Because then if you get turned into a statue, we gotta tote you out. Yeah. That's true. But it's only for a certain amount of days. Mm-hmm. No more than four. That's plenty of time to come up with an invention like a Sharpie. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of time to draw a wiener on his face. <laughs> or, uh, of course, yeah. Without Grim to rain with, with his paladin father to rain Arlo in, we may have more more crude humor in the, oh, no. in the party. I'm just kidding. So, like, I mean, same thing, like mirror of positive reinforcement. Yeah. It's like finger guns all the way. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I'm... Glad that I went with Reddit and some different resources to grab some items that are only useful to spice up life. You know, they're not going to improve much of anything. They're not going to help you solve a puzzle. They're not going to help you kill a boss. But they could. They could help you kill a boss if you're creative, you know. You mentioned that you wanted to turn that mirror around and reflect a laser back at him. Could. And I laughed at that, and I said it would have absolutely shattered the mirror, but I like your initiative. You know, that would have absolutely still just passed through that and destroyed you. <laughs> but the the initiative and trying to solve problems that way makes D&D a lot of fun, too. Well, like, you would think that a lot of them would be situational, but there's some of them you can actually, like, depending on, on the character, depending on what the ability is, like... I've got the butterfly ring now. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a cool thing because Arlo is like a, a nature guy. But at the same time, like as a druid, I can like enlarge insects and things like that. Didn't so, know that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know a lot of stuff. I thought you were going to say like I can talk to butterflies and that'd be pretty cool. But if can you can make a giant butterfly, I'm happy to add Mothra to the campaign. I can um, talk to butterflies. Single use items. Those are a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, warlock scroll, like a one-use uh, witch bolt or something like that. One-use uh, unlock door spell, stuff like that. True. Carlo's mm-hmm. tablet was one-use that he used in the final boss battle. Yeah, it was. But of course, the smaller. The, you, yeah, yeah, it was. Unless you're gonna dig it out. Like <laughs> 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 a hairball. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I, the smaller, the smaller <laughs> one-use things would be good ones too. Like keys that open like one door, no matter what it is, mm-hmm. but then they shatter. Yep. But w- this is as we haven't been playing too terribly long. We're experienced enough though to know that if you're just starting out, be careful with those magic items. Don't let them don't let them derail your campaign. And if they do, break them. Break them right in the hands of that player. 
when that wide-eyed new player raises his sword of plus five to ace or plus five to hit and plus and ten AC. plus ten to damage and yeah a shield <laughs> plus eighteen to AC making him invulnerable. Yeah, it smells like mint. Well, yeah, when he lifts that bad boy up, you shatter it right in his hands and tell him no, no more of this. And you accidentally hit the immovable object on the unstoppable force and they yep. shatter. <laughs> yes, and let let Boblin the Goblin turn on the party and stab him. And all the different things just... You shouldn't have trusted the Goblin. <laughs> uh, subvert those expectations. But I think this episode is going to be done. We will be back with you next time for more Dungeon Boys. Fair warning. Yeah, fair warning. Yeah, <laughs> Come back if you want. Uh, please tell your friends <laughs> about the show. Uh, leave us a review if you would like. You can give us positive or negative feedback via Twitter if you want to follow me at Tank Media Games. Tell your enemies um, about us too. Yeah, tell your enemies. No need to limit us to your friends. You might have enemies that are even better than you. Uh, so that guy <laughs> who approaches you looking for a couple of bucks, mm-hmm. tell him if, about this podcast. If somebody asks you for help getting a sandwich, you tell them instead, why don't you go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify and listen to Dungeon Boys. That's your that's your bread for tonight. That will, it will change. Yeah. It will change your life. I don't know if it will change your life for the better, but it might change it a little bit. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to do all those things. Check us out. Share us with your friends. Write reviews. We will see you next time. Please remember that we love you very much. Toodles.